Welcome to Scanner School Session 167, Ask Scanner School Volume 30. Before we start this week's podcast, I'd like to take a moment to thank our Patreon supporters. Patreon is a month-to-month sponsorship platform. We have three different support tiers, each with different benefits. But the most valuable tier is our $5 a month tier. This equates to sponsoring the podcast for about a dollar per episode. Now, not only do our $5 Patreon supporters receive the podcast early, but they also receive a commercial-free version of the podcast delivered directly to their podcast player. Some may say that the included squelchy sticker pack that is mailed to your home is the best benefit of the $5 level, but I think it's the community or the club that is growing at this level. You see, we meet once a month on Zoom, and we have a roundtable discussion about scanning, ask questions, offer advice. Some of the members are answering other people's questions, and we just talk with our fellow scanner school classmates. This is an exclusive group for our $5 Patreon members. Now, again, if all this wasn't enough at that level, you'll also receive discounts to upcoming Scanner School courses and offerings. Now, you can help support Scanner School by going to www.scannerschool.com slash Patreon or www.scannerschool.com slash support. Now, I'd like to thank all of our Patreon supporters at all levels, and they are Blurpy Benner, Brian King, Buzz Gold, Chris Parrish, Craig Harper, Dan, David C., Danny Crotty, Ed Walsh, Eddie K., Edward Bramblett, Guy Lee, James Felling, James Peruta, Jeff Block, Jenny Taylor, Jim Heinrich, John Goldenberg, Ken Newberry, Kevin Zwicky, Lenny Bauer, Les Stevenson, Mark Beebe, Mason Kramer, Michael Kroger, Paul Teal, Raymond Hill, Richard Armstrong, Robert, Robert Kanzler, Ronnie Black, Sal Marandola, Tim Mazza, Todd Glendie, and William Arcand. Now let's start the podcast. Welcome to The Scanner School, a podcast dedicated to the scanner radio hobby. Class is about to begin. Here is your host, Phil Lichtenberger. Welcome to Scanner School. We teach you everything to know about the scanner radio hobby. My name is Phil Lichtenberger, and my amateur radio call sign is W2LIE. And I want to thank everybody for your patience because we had to reschedule our SDR webinar. Why every scanner user needs a software-defined radio, the number one tool that should be in your, in your scanner radio setup, has been rescheduled for March 23rd due to a scheduling issue. I really do apologize for having to reschedule it, but if you weren't able to make it in February last week, guess what? You're in luck. It's rescheduled for just a couple weeks out now, and hopefully... You know, we can all make that date, but I do apologize for not being able to uh, do things as scheduled. But we're here now. We're here right now answering your questions. This is Ask Scanner School, Volume 30. And again, to get your questions answered on the podcast is very easy. You can go to scannerschool.com slash ask. And there you're going to find three ways that you can submit your questions. You can submit them via the email box it's right there right that just you just type in your question you hit send and i get your questions though the best way to do so is to press that speak pipe button and that is going to allow you to leave a voicemail message for me which i can then replay on the podcast we also have a local number here in the states 516-308-2885 and that too will allow you to use your phone to leave us a voicemail now the benefits of leaving me a voicemail is we put you in a running for a free tutoring session and what's a tutoring session like well that's where you and i sit face to face or face to screen (laughs) via zoom and 
I'm able to share your screen or you can share my screen and you can bounce questions off of me or I can give you some pointers or help you through something that uh, that you're stuck with. So it's a great one-on-one way for you to get direct help and that's there for you. So again, if you want tutoring, you can either just ask your question via SpeakPipe or our local number here in the States or you can go to scannerschool.com slash tutoring and use the online cal- uh, calendar and book me for a tutoring session. And before we begin, don't forget tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern U.S. time, I will be live on Facebook, YouTube, and also Twitter via Periscope to answer your scanner radio questions. This is a live 30-minute session, and we just rapid fire, question, answer, question, answer, question, answer. After that 30-minute session, I will be over with my Patreon $5 Extra Credit Club members, and we have a nice roundtable discussion. And that goes on for quite a bit of time. It's it's a pretty lengthy uh, discussion. People come and people go during it. But we talk about anything from development of uh, scanner radios, we answer questions, we talk about other things non-related to uh, to the scanner radio hobby, and uh, it's a good it's a good group. We we have quite a few people who chime on and uh, and check it out. So again, if you want to get into our five dollar Patreon extra credit club, you go to scannerschool.com slash Patreon and click on the five dollar tier. And as soon as you sign on for that, you're immediately one of our extra credit supporters. And I do a thank you in advance for that. So again, tonight, nine o'clock Eastern Time, US. Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. We'll catch you there. So let's go ahead right now and jump into our very first question, which was over our, uh, I think it was SpeakPipe. I think a SpeakPipe message. So let's go ahead and ask your question. Hi, Phil. It's Les Stevenson again. My question for Scanner School, Ask Scanner School is, you probably like, please or fire go to DMA. Is that the next, is that the, uh, step before they go encrypted. I would call my a, a gentleman and I talked to quite a bit that if they go to DMA, it's bad um, news. Encryption's next. If there's a mess, is it true? Thanks a lot, Phil. Hey, Les, that is a really good question. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard a variation of that type of question. You know, once they go X, then they're going to go encrypted or then they're going to go this or that. You know, I mean, it's it's always, you know, that one it's, – it's always the future. It's always the unknown. It's always the speculation, right? So we've been hearing, oh, once they go from low band, I guess, to UHF, right? Or um, once they go trunking, the next thing is encryption. Or once they go P25, then the next thing is encryption. Or once they go – to DMR or some of the other technology or whatever else, right? The next thing is always encryption. You know what? The next thing could always be encryption. It, it could be from analog straight into encryption. I mean, there was voice inversion and scramblers that have been out decades ago, right? So there's always a way or always a threat that there could be some sort of encryption looming. But you know what? Chances are very good, and not to scare anybody off here, but Chances are very good that once you're on a P25 trunk radio system with over-the-air programming or OTAP, right, over-the-air programming, encryption could be right around the corner at any moment. You just don't know. It could already be there. It could already be bought and paid for, but it's not in play. It's not in use. So does TDMA necessarily mean that encryption is the next logical step? Absolutely not. 
It just basically means that you are on a system that is using all of the resources that it can to its best ability, right? Let's talk about what TDMA is. TDMA is time division multiple access. What that basically means is you're splitting that frequency over time. So instead of like right now, I am talking. If I was on the radio and I was talking to you, even in person, I am owning this spot right now that I'm talking. You can't talk over me because I'm, I'm talking now. That means I am using FDMA, a frequency division multiple access. I, I am tying up a frequency over time. Okay, Think about that as typical analog or phase one P25. Now, if you and I were talking back and forth, that would be time division multiple access because I'm talking, then you're talking, then I'm talking, then you're talking. The key here is we're both talking for the same amount of time, basically, for a second and a second and a second and a second, right? Because it's a hard-coded time on here. But for the example is we're, we're sharing the same frequency, right? But we're splitting it over time. And that's what TDMA basically does is it flip-flops. Use a one, use a two, use a one, use a two, all in the same frequency. So if you're using it on a trunk system, that just means basically that talk group one, then talk group two, then talk group one, then talk group two. It happens so fast that our ears can't pick up on the fact that it's flip-flopping back and forth between two users. We're talking like milliseconds here, right? We're never going to hear it. To further push my point, technology on the cell phones, I believe it was with TDMA, would have eight time slots available. So you'd have the control channel and seven voice pads typically, or, or a control channel, and then a, uh, a plain uh, a data channel, and then voice channels after that, and then every, all the other radios in the stack would just be dedicated for voice channels with time slots on them. And again, if you're using your telephone, you never knew that you were sharing that frequency with seven other people because it happens so quickly over time you never notice the breaks in the transmissions. So the same thing just happens a lot slower, though, on P25 because it's a, a two-way medium, right? So is the next logical step encryption? Absolutely not. Basically, what you're doing is, like I was saying before, is that you've got a system that is being maximized to its ability. So every talk group, or every frequency rather, is splitting in half. So if you have 10 frequencies, not counting the control channel frequency, if you've got 10 voice frequencies in your pool, you can put 20 users on them at one time when you use TDMA. Okay, you just doubled your resources. So that could be the reason why your system went from phase one to phase two, because it just needed more resources there. Or it could just be that they they wanted the upgrade. <laughs> so you never really know what's going on, right? Until you start digging into it and finding out what, what the reasons are. And again, too, they may just decide to do TDMA out of the gate. I know a lot of systems out there are doing hybrid. We, I'm watching a system out here in Suffolk County, New York, and they've got a couple of, of phase one and phase two talk groups on the same system as they're building it out. So it could be they're just flipping the switch on a few of them just to see how they work and how they sound and how they're going to operate as compared to the other talk groups that are out there. So I do not agree with uh, your buddy. I don't believe that just because something went TDMA that the next step is encryption. Okay. As far as the path that is currently out there, that's about as far as they're going to take things as far as upgrades and whatnot for now. But encryption could come at any time like I was saying originally. It could have it could have been here in the analog days. It could have been here in the phase one days. It could be here in the phase two days. 
And again, it could happen if they were even on DMR or NXDN as well. So sit tight. Don't panic. Enjoy what you can right now while you can. And hey, if they do go encrypted, just remember this. Did you throw out your TV when your favorite TV show went off the air? Did you forget how to read when your favorite magazine right, went out of print? Did you decide not to listen to music anymore when your favorite band split up? No. Because there's always something else out there to watch or to listen to or to read, right? You found something else in this place. Granted, you can't go back and listen to your local encrypted whatever it is you want to listen to, if it was your favorite, on reruns like you can on a TV show or something like that. But again, there's other things out there, right? Just because something went encrypted doesn't mean that it's time to get the scanner and throw it in the recycling bin. There's no need for that. There's other things out there to monitor. So like I'm saying, enjoy it while you can. And hopefully you'll continue to enjoy it in the future. I don't believe that just because something went TDMA that the next logical step here would be encryption. Because again, if that was the case, why would we have phase two scanners? So thank you very much, Les, for your question. I always enjoy getting questions from you. Thanks again. Let's go on to our next question. Who comes in from Garrett? Hi, Phil. It's Garrett, and I have a question about partial digital encryption. I've been recently listening to the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory System here in the San Francisco Bay Area. And in the system talk groups, there's Golden Gate National Recreation Area talk groups. And in that list, you'll see that much of the law enforcement is partially encrypted. So I have two questions. Number one, are there any best practices or anything that I should be thinking about when I scan a partially digitally encrypted system? And number two, why do departments or systems partially encrypt their traffic? I would think that you'd want to either have that traffic be fully private or totally open and available. What are the use cases and reasons why departments and systems partially encrypt? As always, I really enjoy the podcast. Thanks, Phil. Hey, Garrett. Really good question. Thanks again for asking this one. And we haven't had any questions like this, I don't think, on the podcast. So uh, this is a good one. But again, it kind of dovetails right into what Les asked about encryption. So let's take it away. So best practices when scanning a system or a talk group that is partially encrypted. Well, how do we know this is a partially encrypted talk? Let's back that one up. Well, if we look at radio reference, I mean, obviously, you know, but for anybody else who doesn't understand how to find these out is if you look at radio reference, you will see a column for the mode of transmission, right? It'll say FM or it will say, actually, it will say A for analog, right? Uh, D for digital, T for TDMA. And then if it says a lowercase e, that means it's part-time encryption. If it has a capital E, it's full-time encryption, right? So you're listening to talk groups that are labeled either D, lowercase e, or T, lowercase e. So what are the ba- best practices when scanning something like this? Well, the best practice is put it in your scanner, right? Hopefully, for the majority of the time, this is all in the clear. And what you're going to pick up is a normal transmission. But what happens if they do enable encryption on that talk group. Well, you're going to want to make sure your scanner is set up. And it's been a while since I've looked at this, so I'm assuming that this is in there. But you want to have a sub so that it ignores encrypted talk groups when it goes to the scan list. Or else your scanner is going to lock up on the R2-D2 and there's no reason to have it on there. If the scanner does sit and monitor the R2-D2, you could always do a temporary avoid on your scanner to lock out that talk group and then you can always then power cycle your scanner to bring that temporary void out and then reintroduce that talk group 
onto your scan list. But for for now, what I would just do is I would just recommend leaving it in there and hopefully the scanner will avoid anything that's encrypted. I believe that the Unidin scanners out of the box by default in the programming structure is uh, set up so that encryption is muted, right? You always see on the screen E and C and it will mute out that audio. Whistler, I think, is a little bit different, but I've been sitting in the Unication world for too long right now. And again, Unication gives you the ability to uh, to to ignore or to listen to the encrypted talk group as well. So that's where I would go with that. Now, your part two is what is the uh, the reasoning? Why do they do partial encryption? So let's let's use FDNY as an example. I know it's complete opposite side of the country from you, but it's something I can relate to, and it makes perfect sense here. So. What happens with the FDNY is what we have is called a mixer. So the dispatcher will talk on the output of the repeater. The field units talk on the input of the repeater. Now the dispatcher hears the input of the repeater and then that then in turn goes through the mixer and goes back out the output of the repeater so that everybody else can hear what's going on in the field. Well, when the request that the mixer be turned off, that prevents the field unit's transmission from going through the mixer and back out of the repeater. Basically, they've turned that channel into a duplex channel. The dispatcher can hear the field units as normal, but nobody else can unless you're listening to the input or the mobile side of the transmission. Again, why do they do that? For sensitive information. Now, let's think about it in a PD world or a PD environment, right? Police department. If they're doing data checks, license plate runs, license IDs, I know there used to be a time and a place where you would get information about, hey, I need to run a, a, a check. The system is down. Here's the license ID. And the dispatcher will come back and say that uh, car is registered to a so-and-so mail, first name this, last name that, address here, birth date of this, right? That's sensitive information. I don't even believe today that that can even go out over a clear talk group or a clear frequency anymore. So I may be wrong, but anyway. So why would they do that? Well, maybe the dispatcher would knowingly send out that information, would press the privacy button on a console. It would encrypt that talk group momentarily while that personal information is going out over the air. And then when they're done keying up with that special button however it is they set it up i can only imagine it being a secure button that they're pressing that acts that that triggers the uh the encryption and allows them to talk then when they're done the next transmission when they normally push to talk would be in the clear again so that is my speculation on why you would have a partially encrypted talk group just to cover sensitive information why then not have a full-time talk group well, because can you imagine being out in the field and saying, okay, uh, dispatch, I need to run a background check on this license plate. I'm going to go over that channel now. And then the, the unit in the field goes over that channel. He's talking to the records personnel, getting the information from the records personnel. Okay, records, thank you so much. I'm going to go back now to my dispatch channel. Well, what happens if something was on that dispatch channel that they needed to hear? Well, now they've missed it, right? Or if something happens and the user is accidentally on the wrong talk group now, he's on records when he should be on dispatch or he went to the wrong, went to a tactical channel instead of coming back to dispatch, right? So it really makes a lot of sense that everything is handled on one channel. It just, it takes out the user error when controlling a radio. So that's, that's another benefit of using something like that. So again, I would just assume here and I, I assume I'm right. 
But it to me would be like just to mute out personal sensitive information is why they're encrypting that confirmation. And then boom, you go right back into a normal conversation. So I think that's answering your question. But again, Garrett, thank you so much for asking, asking that one again. Good to hear you again and hope everything is well out in the Bay Area. Okay, let's get on to our last voicemail question of the month. Hi, Phil. Paul Teal, WB5 Annex, Tulsa, Oklahoma. I've been a loyal listener since episode one. My question is about an STS-100. I've had the scanner for a couple of years now, and it is my go-to scanner. But I recently noticed that I'm missing some of the first seconds of transmissions. I checked my settings, and I noticed I had priority on, but I don't believe that really affects digital. I noticed my signal strength was lower than normal, so I got into my programming and added a few frequencies for my local site, which I noticed was listed on radio reference, which fixed my signal strength issue. I'm locked on a single site, a single department, and a single talk group to avoid delays coming from scanning, but I'm still missing parts of conversations. Now, it's not with every conversation, just some. Is there a setting I should check? Is this just something the SDS can't decode that fast to catch quick conversations? I appreciate any ideas you have. And keep up the great work on the podcast. It's going great. 73. Hey, Paul. Thanks again for your question. And thank you so much for your continued Patreon support. I enjoy seeing you every month on our Patreon meeting. And uh, and uh, it's great to, to hear you with this question. And this is a fairly common issue with the scanner. But not too many people complain about it, believe it or not. And it just screams to me an issue with your P25 or digital wait time. It's a very simple parameter to check and very simple to look at. So when we have our radios programmed in Sentinel, I'm assuming now this could be either a conventional or a talk group function, okay? Let's talk about conventional for now since it's very easy we can do here. You have two modes of operation on your scanner. You've got analog and you've got digital, right? But you also have a third, which is called all, A-L-L, if you can't tell through my accent. What happens is, is when you tell the scanner that it's an analog transmission, the scanner knows, okay, I don't have to worry about a digital wait time here. It's an analog transmission. Likewise, when you tell the scanner that frequency is a digital frequency or in digital use, the scanner doesn't need to wait for a digital voice. It knows right away it's digital. I'm also speculating a lot of your problems happen on the analog side of the house and not the digital side of the house. But when you have something set to all or both, right, what happens is the scanner must determine whether or not the transmission that's being received is a digital transmission or an analog transmission. So you have what's called a digital wait timer. And in Sentinel, that's located all in the right-hand side of the grid. And by default, it's set up to 400 milliseconds, which is pretty darn close to half a second during that half a second time frame the scanner is trying to determine whether or not it's digital or analog if it's digital and it knows it within that 400 milliseconds it will then kick on the whole digital circuitry and pass the audio that way however if it's analog you lose that 400 milliseconds and then you hear the beginning of the analog transmission because the scanner decided that I can't tell if this is digital or not, so we're going to fall back to analog. Now, this happens on the 
SDS 436, the 536, the SDS 100, the SDS 200. And I'm pretty sure it's also in the Home Patrol 1 and the Home Patrol 2. Basically, if it's in Sentinel, it has these options. That option, I believe, also exists on the other digital scanners out there, like the 996 and the 325 and the 396 as well. Again, I had to double check my programming on those radios, but I'm pretty sure on those digital scanners, that also exists there. So, there's two ways we can work around this. And again, too, this also holds too, true for the trunking world, right? I mean, if it's P25, you know it's going to be digital. So that option isn't in there. But if it's, say, Motorola Type 2, or if you've got the Pro Voice upgrade, right, it still needs to know if that talk group is going to be analog or digital. So here's the two ways we can fix this. Method one is we can lower our digital detect time. So instead of it being 400 milliseconds, make it 200 milliseconds or 100 milliseconds. I seem to lower mine out of the box from 200 milliseconds. Now, again, you're going to have to go through every single one of these and set them up. Or what you can do is if you know it's an analog frequency or analog talk group or if it's digital, then change it from all to the uh, mode specific. So if it's all and it's analog, then change it to analog or change it to digital. That will also trigger the scanner not to go into that search a function and determine whether or not the transmission is analog or digital or not. Again, very common. Not a lot of people complain about it, but somebody like you and me who notice these things, <laughs> this drives us nuts. Typically, you don't notice this unless you're listening to a secondary radio and you're noticing you're cutting out all the time. Or again, when you're paying very close attention to something, yes, you may notice. And it starts to be very irritating that you know you're missing the beginning of a conversation. And you know it because you're stuck on one site and one talk group and everything else, right? You know that you're missing something. Why would the scanner not pick up the first word? Because it's monitoring that talk group or that frequency, right? It should always be there. So make sure you force the mode on that frequency or talk group to either analog or digital and drop your delay timer if you have it set for all. That's my best advice on these. Paul, thank you so much again for asking your question. And to Les, Garrett, and Paul, please stand by because at the end of the podcast, we're going to figure out who wins this month's free consulting call. Good luck to the three of you. We'll be right back after this break with some written questions that came in. Did you know there are ways to help support the Scanner School podcast that doesn't take any time or any extra money on your part? If you go to scannerschool.com support, you will find we have several ways that you can continue to do your online shopping and help support us. We have links to Amazon. If you click on our link before you go to Amazon, anything you buy from there will help support Scanner School. Now, if you're in a market for a brand new scanner, an antenna, other accessories, we have links to Scanner Master, where you can not only purchase a scanner and accessories, but you can also get your radio programmed. And by clicking on our link before you buy, you are helping to support the podcast. Now, if you're in a market for software, we have links to Butel. And if you want something new to you, we also have links to eBay. Again, just go to scannerschool.com support before you make your purchases, and you are helping to support Scanner School at no additional cost to you. This session of Scanner School is sponsored by East Coast Pagers. Now, East Coast Pagers is one of my online companies, and we are a Unication, Apollo, and Swiss phone dealer serving the North American market. Now, if you're looking for a personal use pager or one for your department, we can get you a quote at the very 
best prices. So why does a company like East Coast Pagers support Scanner School? I think that every Scanner Radio user should at least put one pager in their collection of radios. The reason why is very simple. It frees up your scanner to just do scanning, and then you have one radio that's dedicated to your local fire activity. Now, with a pager, you can have voice storage. You can do tone outs. You can keep it silent. You can go back the next day and listen to what you've missed overnight. It's more than you can do with an out-of-the-box scanner. And with today's pagers having multiple frequencies and even having multiple channels in a scan list, like the Unication G1 can do eight channels in a scan list. It has 64 memory channels, and out of the box, it comes with 11 minutes of stored voice and a desktop charger. The G2s to G5s, they do P25 phase one and phase two in simulcast environments with stored voice, paging on conventional NP25. Oh, and they're upgradable too to DMR type one and type two. They are more rugged than today's consumer-based scanners. And with a pager like a Swiss phone S-Quad, you won't even realize you're wearing one. It'll help keep you informed as to what's going on in your neighborhood. So again, eastcoastpagers.com or contact me directly, phil at eastcoastpagers.com. Do you have a new scanner? You're having problems understanding how it works? Maybe you're new to the entire Home Patrol database of programming and you can't figure out Sentinel. Did you get a new SDR and you're trying to figure out how to install it or you want to learn how to use Unitrunker, DSD+, maybe set up a Pioware or even just make some changes and you don't understand how this system and the equipment works, the podcast might be great for you, but maybe you need a little bit more of one-on-one help with setting something up. I'm available to do just that with you with our private tutoring sessions. You can book me online by going to scannerschool.com slash consulting for a one-hour session. And it's great because we can actually share computer screens remotely and I can guide you through step-by-step as if I was sitting right next to you. So again, book me for an hour at scannerschool.com slash consulting for your scanner radio one-on-one tutoring session. National Communications Magazine is your personal library of scanner, CB, GMRS, FRS, MURS, and two-way radio articles written by the best minds in the business over the past three decades. Your NatCom personal online access account allows you to download the newest issues of America's Hobby Radio Magazine, as well as back issues too. So visit natcommag.com to download your free sample issues and sign up today. That's natcommag.com for National Communications Magazine. Okay, so our first written question comes in from Ken. Ken is asking how to set up a scanner to broadcast the audio over the internet. So he's interested in setting up a live stream, and he wants something that doesn't necessarily interface with the ProScan software. So he's looking for something that would be free and that could offer audio online. So there's a couple of different paths we can go down on this one. Can. So the first one would be something like setting up to a private Zello channel, or um, I think Discord could do the same thing, where you can set up a channel and then plug in the scanner's line out into your line in on the computer. Using Zello, you can then set up a local Zello Windows application that works on Vox or voice activated keying. And then every time there's activity on your scanner, it would trigger the push to talk on your computer to go out over the channel so you can listen to it on your smartphone that way. Another way of doing it would be still to use ProScan. You just don't set up a scanner as the input and you set up your Vox settings as well that way. 
and you would then just have basically an audio only stream. You wouldn't have anything like that way, but at least it would give you the ability to use pro scans, or I believe it will allow you to use pro scans internal audio server that you can connect to in their own web server so that at least you've got something that is self-contained. The other way of doing it, which isn't as easy, is to set up your own IceCast or Shoutcast server. Now, again, you can run this on Windows, but it runs better on Linux. Again, you can run it on Raspberry Pi, something like that, but it does require another piece of software to actually do the encoding. So IceCast and Shoutcast is the server. This is what the client or the listener would connect to. It would also be what your scanner connects to, right? IceCast works as the gateway. You still need to run local software on the computer that your scanner is plugged into. And again, the authors of ProScan has RadioFeed, which is a free piece of software. I've been using RadioFeed for years. And again, it does exactly the same thing that ProScan's audio server will do without the whole bulk of having ProScan. So it takes the line in and you put in the parameters for your local IceCast server. And then that connects to IceCast. And then everybody else connects to IceCast to listen to what it is they want to listen to. The downfall, though, of this method is you're going to introduce from anywhere from a 5 to a 20-second delay on the audio. Typically, that is fine and okay. However, if you want to watch a screen or you're trying to listen to something more locally, you will notice that there is a delay in the time that the scanner comes out to scanner speaker and then into whatever it is you're listening to. So in the all, the easiest to hardest would be set up, I would think, a Zello channel. The next easiest way is just to use ProScan's internal audio server with the ProScan web server would be probably the easiest way of doing it. And then finally, the most difficult way of doing it would be to set up an IceCast feed using radio feed to uh, connect to IceCast. Then you would connect your phones over to IceCast. I know it's a bit cumbersome, but that's the way that uh, services like Procastify work and and my services work as well on my live server as well because that's what it's made for. That's how it works. So. But again, good luck with the project. I uh, Let me know how it works out for you. If you have any questions, definitely reach out and contact us again. Thanks again, Ken. Okay, the final question of the week comes in from Colin. Colin is asking, is it possible to set up a BCD536HP from Sentinel software? Yes, Colin. That is what Sentinel is for. So it's actually probably the easiest way to set up your S, your your new BCD536HP. It's the only way really you're going to be able to do a firmware upgrade on the BCD536HP. And it's it's drag and drop. So the software you want to grab will, will come with the scanner. I believe it's already installed on the SD card. So when you connect the scanner to your computer, you just have to grab the executable file and then grab it. And of course, do an upgrade on everything afterwards. So do a, a software upgrade or a uh, firmware upgrade and then you do a radio reference database pull and you'll be off to the races so optionally though you do have other software out there you can use besides sentinel but you still need sentinel to do the firmware upgrades you can use proscan proscan does include a dma memory manager for the uh, home patrol database and just like Butel software, what it will do is it will pull data from Radio Reference. You are required to have a premium subscription to Radio Reference in order to use this, but you can just use that way to install or to load favorites lists in your Home Patrol style scanner. Same deal goes with Butel's ARC 536. You would have to have a premium membership with Radio Reference to bring in any data from Radio Reference, but it does allow you to make more global changes a lot faster 
than Sentinel does. So if you want to justify your alpha tag, center everything, change the capitalization on it, change the background colors, change the alert functions, right? All these things are a lot faster to do on Butel's software. That's why I love using Butel. When it comes to my, my home patrol stuff, I do all my programming in Sentinel right to the radio, then bring it back into Butel software and do my prettying up. <laughs> I throw my lipstick on the pig basically using Butel's software when it comes to the Home Patrol style database radios. Everything else, so all the other uh, DMA style scanners, I am, I'm definitely using Butel up front for everything. But um, that's not to say you can't do it with, with ProScan, but that's just my 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 preferred method of doing it. So again, best of luck setting up your BCD536HP. Enjoy the new radio. And yes, definitely get Sentinel installed in your computer. And make sure you've got the right one too. You want the one with the green shield. The one with the green shield is the one for the 436, 536, and the STS-100 and the STS-200. Thanks again, Colin, for your question. Okay, so now it's time to pick the winner of this month's free tutoring session. Now, again, if you want to book me for tutoring, you can go to scannerschool.com slash tutoring, use the calendar, and find a time that works for both you and I, and book a tutoring or consulting call. It's very easy. Again, you and I spend an hour. We work over Zoom, and it's like having me sit next to you, right? We're virtually over a computer, sharing a screen, and it just helps move things along. It's a lot easier to do this over a computer than it is over a phone call. Again, if you want to try winning a free tutoring session, just go to scannerschool.com slash ask and use our SpeakPipe link or 516-308-2885 to leave me a voicemail. But of course, if you just want to text me your message, you can do so by using the online form at scannerschool.com slash ask or email phil at scannerschool.com. So I've already put three lines in a spreadsheet. One, we went in order here. One is Les. Two is Garrett. Three is Paul. We got a random number generator sitting right next to it. I'm going to press the random number five times, just way it cycles through. And number five will be our winner. Ready? Here we go. One, two, three, four, five. All right, Paul, congratulations. You are our winner for this month. Paul, I will reach out to you or you can reach out to me and we can book that free tutoring call. And again, if you're still struggling with this uh, delay timer on the digital, we can definitely tackle it during that as well. So again, thank you everybody for your questions. Thanks for listening. Thank you all for your support. And again, don't forget our rescheduled webinar is now March 23rd. You can go to scannerschool.com slash webinar to check that out. And make sure you are sharing this podcast with everybody who is in the Scan Radio Hobby. You know, it's the best way that we can help more people in the hobby. Thanks again, everybody. My name is Phil Lichtenberger, and this is Scanner School. And don't forget, too, I forgot to mention it. Catch us live tonight on YouTube and Facebook, and also we'll be on Twitter at 9 p.m. Eastern time, we'll be answering again your scanner radio-related questions. 73, everyone.